Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to start in verse number 1. Thank you for standing with me. Here's what the Word of the Lord says. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy and be like-minded, having the same love and being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming, ladies and gentlemen. That day is coming. No matter who they are, how much money they have, or how popular they, have, or they are, no matter the state of their life or what they did, there's a day coming that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to take my title and subject from the fifth verse, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love your word. We need your word. There's no thing we can do without you, God. So we're praying right now that your anointing would settle into this house. Anoint my mouth as I declare your word. Anoint the ears to hear and hearts to receive. And Lord, I'm praying that you would anoint minds in this place. Let strongholds that have been built up in the minds of people begin to crumble and fall down, be removed and stricken out of the way, so that the right things can be sown into our spirits, I pray. Let this mind be in us, the same mind that was in you. We believe it in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the last several moments. I'm going to begin this morning with an illustration. I'm going to begin this morning with something a little bit different, but I hope to paint a picture for you and show you that in the process. You're going to watch a video on the screen that will play behind me. The Battle of Stalingrad was a brutal military campaign between Russia, for, Russian forces and those of Nazi Germany. The Axis powers that during World War II were trying to gain ground, and the battle is infamous that I'm talking about this morning. It's one of the largest and the longest and the bloodiest engagements in modern warfare. Stalingrad was a pivotal city on southwest Russia. It had a large oil supply that was coveted by both the Allied and the Axis powers. Geographically speaking, the city of Stalingrad was coveted by both sides. It was a gateway to march in either direction. Both sides would try to make critical advancement on the enemy's 
territories. The Axis powers, which would be Germany and Italy and Japan. And the Allied powers, which would be the United States, Russia and Britain. They both wanted one city. The city was so regarded, the Russians actually refused to evacuate the 200,000 citizens inside the city because they believed that the presence of innocent civilians would inspire the soldiers to fight harder and fight longer. This would mean that Russia sacrificed tens of thousands of innocent lives to death and tens of thousands of innocent lives to German imprisonment camps. Both sides of this conflict in one city poured soldiers and supplies into one battle. There is a small city that wanted to be gained capture of guns and troops and snipers and rations. All the resources they could muster up was left and poured into this city. And the city was left in complete ruins by 1942. Ladies and gentlemen, over 2 million soldiers and civilians died in Stalingrad. It was the longest and the largest and the bloodiest battle of modern warfare. It's also the most crucial battle of World War II because, ladies and gentlemen, if the right side, if the certain powers, the allied powers, don't win that war, more than likely we're speaking in German today. This physical event that you watched on the screen for a moment, clips and footage from that battle. This physical event represents much more than a physical war, but it is a spiritual analogy with critical implications. Ladies and gentlemen, Stalingrad, if you will, is your mind. The most critical place on you and in you is your mind. And there is a war being waged for your mind right now. The enemy wants so bad to claim it that he'll send relentless assaults, resources, and struggles in order to claim the territory of your mind. He'll send negative thoughts and hurtful things and lustful images and selfish desires. Any anti-God ideology, anything that can urge you to do something that is not right. Depression, anxiety, angst, despair, hate, hurt, pain, weights, fears, lies, condemnation, anything to gain the territory of your mind. Romans 8 and 7, because the carnal mind is enemy against God. And if there is a way to get you to have a carnal mind so that you can become an enemy of God, he will do all that he can. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. But God, ladies and gentlemen, wants so badly that he would send somebody on a Sunday morning to preach to you that you've got to win the battle that is inside your mind. He wants that territory just as bad, if not more, than the enemy wants that territory. So the word of God will get declared and put into your spirit. Hope will try to be imparted into your spirit, into your mind. A love for people, a love for positive, a love for the spiritual life, help, hope, dreams, anything that God can do to draw you closer to him because he wants to win that battle for your mind also. It's the mind. Take your hand 
and place it on your forehead. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no exception in this room. Every person in here, the devil wants this, but so does God. The enemy wants to control it, but so does God. The enemy wants what's right happening right up here, but so does the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, it explains it in probably a better way than I could. Verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, if you want to know where those strongholds are, you know what the, one of the best practices in Scripture you can have? Just keep reading. Pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, you ready? Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity, you ready? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Imagination, that's a mind word. Knowledge, that's a mind word. Thought, that's a mind word. So you want to know where the battle is being fought? Right here. The imaginations that come. The knowledge that you have. The thoughts that are up here. These are the strongholds because if the enemy can build up a stronghold in your life, he will start in your mind. But I believe this morning that the supernatural touch of God can come and begin something in your mind that can tear down strongholds. Listen, if you want something to change in your life, it's going to start in your mind by that stronghold coming down. If you want something to change in your family, it's going to start right up here in the stronghold of your mind being pulled down. If you want something to change in this city or you want something to change in this state, if we want it to change in this nation, it's going to start when strongholds in our mind start coming down and I believe today God can touch the mind has God ever touched anybody's body now let me ask a better one has God ever touched somebody's soul God ever ministered to your body, ministered to your soul in the same way that God touched your body and in the same way that God touched your soul. He can touch your mind. I wish you'd help me. God can help you to think right. God can help you transform your thinking. God can help you relieve that stress, take off that worry, stop living in condemnation. God can touch your mind. He can touch it today. There's a war being fought over it. It's happening all over. This is what I believe. I believe the devil wants to control your mind. But God, he wants to cover it. How many of you believe this morning that the spirit of the living God can step in and cover your mind from those thoughts? Cover your mind from that feeling. Cover your mind from that direction, that thing that you're pursuing. How many of you believe in the supernatural power of God? That he can step in and cover your mind today. See, the undercurrent, I believe this, the undercurrent 
of spiritual warfare is right here. It's all in how you perceive it. It's all in how you think. It's all in your mind. The reason that struggle exists so many times is right up here. It's how we think. It's the mind that we have in us. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 12 through 16 says. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. See, some of us, I'm going to stop right here. I didn't even have this in my notes. Some of us think, well, we got to earn it. And well, we got to be, we got to have a, 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 you know, we got to do more things in order for God to give us some things. Listen, the world, the world has this philosophy. I'll talk about this in a moment. The world has this philosophy that you got to start from the outside and work your way in. But God's philosophy is always from the inside out. So when God does a work, he works from the inside and works his way outside. That's when revelation comes and brings understanding and brings action. But the world wants to consume you with things from the outside to destroy the inside. That's why you'll see pictures or you'll hear music or you'll hear, you'll, you'll witness things or experience something. Because it's on the outside trying to infect the inside. But God's word. When it comes, it gets implanted into your heart and it comes into your mind and it begins to produce action and fruit on the outside that everybody begins to notice because that's how God works in your life. That we might know the things which are freely given to us. It's time you stop walking in the lie that you've got to earn this. But you walk in the truth that God has some things he wants to give you freely. I could stay there a long time, but we're going to roll on. Which things we speak, verse, thing, verse 13, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Listen, I could teach you some things, not a lot, but the Holy Ghost can teach you greater things. And if you want a reason to show up tonight and get filled with the Spirit of God, I just gave you one right there. It's much more than an added blessing, ladies and gentlemen. No, sir, no, ma'am. It is vital and necessary to my life because there's only so much I can learn on my own. But if the spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, would come and teach me some things and come into my life, then, then I can walk in revelation that God has by which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. You know, there's some people, they think you and I are crazy with a capital K. They do. They think we're crazy. Let me tell you something. There are, there are essentially, there's essentially, and I've taught this before, there's essentially three types of people in the world. Essentially, you narrow it down. There's three types of people. There's the natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. There's three types of individuals that walk on the planet. We get to choose which one of those we get to be. The natural man is patterned after Adam and rejects the things of the spirit. He does not have the mind of Christ in him. The spiritual man knows the things of God, submitted to the things of God, living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. He has the mind of Christ. 
and the carnal man, there is the one who yet in some, in some ways, he may have been filled with the Spirit. They may have the Spirit, but they are characterized by the flesh. And they try to live with both the mind of Christ and the mind of the world. And those two things cannot coexist. I want to be a spiritual man. I have walked out of the natural man world when the Spirit of God filled my life. And so I want to reject carnality and the flesh and not live according to that. I want to live according to the Spirit. And that requires me to pursue the mind of Christ. Verse 15 of that 1 Corinthians 2 says, But that which is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There is a mind to this world that we cannot pursue. But there is a mind of Christ that we should all pattern after. Now for the next few moments, I'm going to preach to you some truths about your thoughts. About this right here up in your, up, up in your cranial cavity. I'm going to preach to you some things the Word of God teaches us, truths about our mind. Number one, your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, are powerful. Oh, it's just something that came in my head. Oh, it's just something, it's just, it's just the way my dad used to think like that. Or I've got family that thinks like, my boss thinks like that. I, you know... That's what they did on that movie one time. Thought of, I thought about that imagery and that thing that, that, I, that I witnessed. I thought about this that happened or I thought about that that happened. Ladies and gentlemen, your thoughts are powerful. Let me prove it to you in Scripture. Proverbs 23 and 7 says it this way. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can't get much more powerful than that. Then the thoughts that you are allowing to stay in your mind is cultivating and shaping the direction of your life. What you are choosing to allow to stay there. Listen, your thoughts are shaping your identity and your conduct. That's really good. And I'll say it one more time. Your thoughts are shaping your identity and your conduct. Listen, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put down what I just picked up in the room. There's some of you that you consistently tear yourself down in your mind with negative thoughts and I'll never do this, I'm not this, I'm not good enough and your identity is being shaped by those type of thoughts. So you ought to rise up right now in this room and say, I'm going to stop thinking that way. I am a child of God. I am called out of this world. I do have hope. I am designed for a purpose. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your thoughts are powerful. What you think turns into what you do, and what you do turns into who you are. So we got to go back to the source of it and start thinking about who we are in Him. And not what society or the world, what they tell us about ourselves. Your thoughts are powerful. But let me go one step further. Your thoughts 
are your choice. They are. They're your choice. Now listen, I believe we can, we, we'll cross theological swords later if you want to. And I won't win. But we'll, we'll give it a shot. If you want to argue after service, we'll argue after service. That's fine. I don't believe you can control every thought that comes in your head. Because I'm a human being just like you. I hope you're all humans. But I'm a human being like you are. And stuff flashes through my mind or comes in my brain. And I'm like, dear Lord, what was that about? I don't know if anybody's ever been that honest with you before. Listen, last Sunday, Pastor Larry stood up here. And he, he opened up his soul about etiquette in a waiting room. If you were here, or you can go back and watch it on YouTube, the man bore his soul up here about what to do and not do when you're in a waiting room. And I leaned over, I think it was to Garrett, I leaned over to Garrett and I said, the man is having a therapy session right now in front of a couple hundred people. And it was good. And Brother Larry, I believe those seeds sown in the doctor's offices all across this city are going to take root and bear fruit. So allow me for a moment to have a therapy session with you. Not everything that comes into my mind is a great, good, godly thought. But I do have the choice if it stays there or not. I do have the choice to determine that's not going to take root into my spirit. That's not going to go any farther than there's that flash of an idea that crossed my brain. I have the authority in my life to say that is not going to stay here. Here's what the Bible says, and I think this is so good. Philippians 4, verse number 8. If, if, you, if you read the book of Philippians, every single chapter talks about the mind. Every one of them. Every chapter in Philippians talks about the mind. Philippians 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, you ready? True. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You ought to write that list down and you ought to carry it around with you. And every time a thought comes up in your mind, you ought to parallel that right next to those list of things. And you ought to determine, can this stay or does this need to go? Do I need this or do I not need this in my spirit? You get to choose that. Now, if verse 8 was good, verse number 9 is just as good. Because here's what it says. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, here's why that is so good. Because we think about the things we learn. We think about the things that we take in. We think about the things that we hear. We think about the things that we see. We think about the things we experience. That's how you thought. 
So Paul writes in that verse of scripture and says, all of the things which you have seen and all the things you've learned and received and heard, all those things, that's, that's the key right now. Do those things. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, the music you listen to matters. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, the shows that you decide to watch and the movies you try to put in front of your eyes, in front of your mind, those things which you see, you're going to think on those things later. So you better determine in your spirit, in your life, in your mind, in your discipline right now to say, Whatever is going to come in, whatever is going to try to infect, whatever is coming, the things I see and learn, I'm going to make sure those things glorify God. So we think about it. You've got to guard it and protect it. Your mind, what you think on. Because that's where you'll end up. That's who you'll be. Your thoughts are powerful. Your thoughts are your choice. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is for somebody today. Transformational living begins in the mind. I'll prove it to you in Scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? You want things to transform? It's going to start right here. You want things to be different? It's going to start right here. I know there's some that they, they talk about these habits. You can do 21 days and change a habit about you, and you probably do. But you know the genesis of all that? How you think about yourself. And how you think about the change that needs to come. And how you view God and, and, and your perception of him. And how that views and changes yourself. You are promised transformational living. If it starts right here, renew this. I wish everybody would take their hand and set it on their head and say, God, would you please touch my mind? There are things that you're calling me to start in the spirit, and I cannot do those unless you touch my mind right now. There are things that you ask of me, God, I can't do them unless you touch my mind right now. The transformational living which you've got is in my mind. God's word promises help for our mind. Listen, there's, I know, there's probably more stress and anxiousness and worry in this room than at any other time. You consider the economy, you consider life, you consider the times that we live in, there's more stress and anxiousness and worry. It's mounted up on people like never before. Things just don't help it in society and the world and culture and politics and life. They just, it's not helping it. But there is something to which you can gain help from. It's not old or out of date. It's not just a self-help tool. No, no, no. But there are truths in God's word that give you promises for the help that you need in your mind. And they are found in this book. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You have a promise to not walk in anxiousness or uncertainty. You can have a sound mind. 
You can have it today. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. You ready? Whose mind is stayed upon thee. You have a promise to live in peace. Listen, there's people in this room, you haven't slept well in months. And I just read to you a scripture that can help you sleep like a baby tonight. Because God can come in, touch your mind, fix it on him, and you can walk in perfect peace. Not half peace, not partial peace, the perfect peace that you need. And it's starting right here. He can change this. As I'm going to put on the screen a prayer, we ought to pray for our mind. Things that we ought to take time each and every day and ask the Lord to cover our minds in this manner. God, I pray that you would drive back thoughts that cloud my mind. Anybody live in cloudiness of mind sometimes? Be honest. You can't think straight. You can't remember some things. You, you, your mind gets cloudy and messed up. God, he has, let me, let me, let's just be real. He has the ability to uncloud your mind. He can untangle that mess that you or somebody else created in your mind. He can do that in a moment. God, drive back things that cloud my mind. I pray, God, that you would, you would drive back things that cultivate condemnation. Things that bring up condemnation in my spirit. God, drive it out. Anything, Lord, that is unhealthy and it consumes me. I pray you would drive that out of my mind. And in its place, because listen, it's good. When you pray something out, you need to pray the right thing back in. You ever dug a hole in the ground and left it? Something's going to fill it. Something's coming back in. So you can't just remove something out without replacing it back with something right. So God, drive back all these things. And in its stead, release a clarity of mind. Release conviction. Conviction is a God thing. Release conviction into my mind. And God, release calmness. I know my neighbors are stressed. And I know the world is on anxious high. But Lord, I pray you would let calmness enter into my mind right now. The Bible says that his word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You got to start putting his word and the things of God into place because it knows you better than you know yourself. And replacing those things in with the word of God, the things of God, it is the answer for your mind. I opened up today with Philippians chapter number two. If there be any, therefore, consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not to every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See those four verses that I read, the, the kind of the unspoken part or the undercurrent 
is Paul addressing how the world thinks and views things. There's this, the mindset of the world, and it's embedded in the first four verses of Philippians 2, 1 through 4. It's the thinking that aligns with the way the world lives. It's vainglory or pride. It's strife or self-promotion. It's evil. It's selfishness, disunity. It's those type of things. So there was a phrase. There was this phrase that existed for a while, and people said it, and I know when I say it, I'll date myself a little bit. It's not as popular as it used to be years ago, but it was this phrase of, you only live once. And that was a a phraseology that got said, it was an idiom that culture used for a while. They would describe it and they would urge people to live in a certain way because you only live one time. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a, that's a great picture of how the world thinks. It is a lie. You don't live once, you live twice. So you better make sure that we get this life right in order for the next life to be right. And that paints a picture to tell us the world, the way that it frames things, its thinking is not like the thinking of God. It is not the mind of Christ. They're thinking of selfishness and self-promotion. Climb your way to the top. Get as much as you can. Gather. It's all about you. It's all about your truth, all about what you want. That is the philosophy of the world. That's their thinking. Verse 5, Philippians 2, but let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Are you ready for that mind? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, the world, while men, world, society, they're all climbing higher to be like God. God climbed lower to become like a man. You want to talk about a world, a society, a culture that's trying for higher and more and attaining and selfishness. And the opposite of that is found in Philippians chapter 2 where God himself came down and robed himself in flesh. He humbled himself and made himself obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He decided God's plan and way, that's the mind of Christ. And that's better, that's greater than the mind of the world. As they're looking for themselves and they're looking for selfish things and they're pursuing things that lead to their own devices. We have the mind of Christ. How to know about you, but I don't wanna just live any other way. But I want that mind in me today. I want the mind of Christ that he said he humbled himself came as a servant, became obedient unto death. There is a way of thinking that is so much greater than this world. You're bombarded with the world's way of thinking, but let me preach to you the truth of how God wants you to think today. You can walk as a servant and be blessed. 
you can walk fulfilling the purpose of God and still receive the blessings of God. You can walk it with the hand of God on your life and nobody understands you. But that's okay. Jesus already lived that way anyways. You can live blessed of God if you'll just get his mind in you. Let this mind be in you, not the mind of the world, but the mind of Jesus Christ. Listen, there are people even now, like I said a moment ago, they don't, they don't understand us. I have family that does not understand me. I have people that don't grasp why do you live like you live? Why do you do that which you do? I walk out of my house, my, my modest little house, and I'm dressed in a suit. And many times my neighbors are outside and they're looking at, what are you doing? It's 95 degrees out here in Arkansas. What's wrong with you? What's, what's, wh why do you do that? Why do you go those places? Why do you act that way? And listen, I'm not turning this towards me, but I'm just saying I'm not trying to think like the world thinks. I'm trying to put myself in position to have the mind of Christ, to be obedient when the world is disobedient, to be submissive when the world is rebellious, to be his and his purpose and accomplish his plan when the world produces and pushes another plan. I want the mind of Christ. Now, I told you at the beginning, we're going to do two things to close. We're going to lay our hand on our head and pray. We're going to pray for somebody else. We're going to do that here in a moment. Would you stand with me? Now, I am confident in the word of the Lord. My confidence is not in me or even my delivery today. My confidence is in his word and the power that faith and the word, when they get mixed together, what that can produce in a person. So here's my question. How many of you believe what was preached today? Do you believe that God can give you his mind in you? Do you believe that this morning? So we're going to take a moment. The musicians are going to come and they'll play, they'll sing. But this is about you getting your mind right. Can you do this? Can you lift one hand to heaven and place the other hand on your head? And can you ask God to touch your mind? Lord, there's some thinking that I've got that has to change if I'm going to grow. There's some thinking that I have that's got to be different if I'm going to walk in the plan and purpose of God. I do not want to look after my own things. I don't want to do things through strife or vainglory. I don't want to be dis, disunified with the body, but God, I want my thinking to change. My thoughts are powerful. My thoughts about myself matter. My thoughts have got to change. Now, would you really pray for yourself for a moment? Would you ask God to help your mind? If you need peace, I wish you'd ask God for peace. If you need help, I wish you'd ask God for help. Lord, would you give me what I need in this moment? Would you touch my mind? I felt you touch my heart. I felt you touch my body. I felt 
You work in my spirit and soul. Now I'm asking you to cover my thought life, my mind and its thinking. I ask you to cover it, Jesus. The enemy wants to claim it and control it. But I'm praying that you'd cover it and help me think right. I need a touch in my mind, Jesus. Now here's what I want us to do. This doesn't have to be odd or difficult. Nobody's going to force you to even do it. But I, I know deep in my own spirit, not because I know things about people, but just because of what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There are people that genuinely need a touch of God in their mind. And it's one thing when you lay your hand on your head and you pray, but some of those doubts still exist. And you think all that power lies in you. And it doesn't. It's another thing when a person of faith comes along beside you and says, I believe with you and for you that you can be free of those thoughts of suicide. I believe with you and for you that you can be relieved of that anxiety right now. I believe with you that that stress in your mind, the situation may not change, but what's in your mind is going to change. And then your situation is going to change. So I invite you right now, somebody close to you, somebody that you feel prompted of God, I wish you'd go find somebody and pray with them. If they're comfortable, you can lay your hand on their head, but that's up to you and them. But I wish you'd take a moment and you'd believe God with someone else. Lord, let faith arise in this room that you touch the minds of people. Help us, God, as we link up with somebody that we would believe your promises and the working of your spirit and the word mixed with faith that it would touch our mind.